Hamlin will start when it's touched. Hamlin check touches it. It begins. Three seconds. Hondo off the go. He's got it with a second. John Hamlin check on it. It's Pierce. Is this the target? Johnson gets it into Bird. Wilkins is there. Bird comes free. Good afternoon, Celtics fans, and welcome to this Saturday, March 22nd edition of CLNS Radio Celtics Beat. I'm your host, Rich Conti, and my co-host today is Celtic Beat's executive producer, the inimitable LHR, Larry Russell. We have a great show lined up for you, including two guests. In a few minutes, we'll be joined by Randy Auerbach. Randy is the daughter of the late, great Celtics franchise patriarch, Red Auerbach. We'll talk to her about the current state of the team, as well as about the recent hiring of Phil Jackson down in New York. Larry, Celtics had a nice win against Miami Heat the other night, of course, without LeBron James. Yeah, one win uh, here and there. It's it's not that bad. Uh, obviously, the big asterisk being no LeBron James. And I have to give a quick shout out to uh, Jared Weiss for our YouTube channel. For those who don't know, go to youtube.com slash Radio. I caught a video that Jared shot in the locker room with, obviously, LeBron James. And they said that he didn't play because of quote-unquote back spasms. I saw the video that Jared shot, which is fantastic. It's in, it's in high definition. It's uncut. It's raw, just like the rest of our videos. And LeBron had bags in his eyes that were down about his lips. And it was like, oh, that's why he probably didn't play the game. But, yeah, Rich, you're right. Once again, another tough week for the Celtics. The losses just seem to be piling up. But that Miami game uh, back on Wednesday is going to be one that I think everyone on the team, whether they're here next year or not, they'll be looking back on that and hopefully that's something that they'll be able to build upon in this tough season. Yeah, I think Miami was obviously playing a little bit of that uh, dance with the league office around wanting to rest guys but not get kind of spanked for it. But yeah, you know, it wasn't uh, super meaningful in the long run in the sense that Celtics aren't really going anywhere this season. Uh, Miami looks like they're pretty much destined to that second slot in the East, so really wasn't any playoff implications to the game. Um, But you know, I think it was important in, in in one particular way, even though LeBron missed the game, I think it was nice to see the way Rajon Rondo approached the game the other night. You know, clearly that game meant something to him and the competitiveness that he brought to the game, I thought kind of transferred to the other players. Uh, you know, I, I thought uh, he did a good job of kind of cultivating some of that same attitude in, in them. And listen, you know, the next time the Celtics are, you know, in contention, many of these guys likely won't be on the roster, but it was still good. Good to see Rondo playing that type of role model and leader, trying to you know let those guys know that hey, this is our rival here. I don't care where we're at right now; these guys are our rival. Let's you know let let's make them earn it. You know, let's take it to them. And you know, I think at the end of the game, you kind of saw, regardless of LeBron not being in the lineup, it meant something to Rondo because he kind of shot that death stare of his down at the uh, Miami bench there at the end. And so that was, I, I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, of course, it's been, you know, still a tough season for the Celtics. And one person who's not too happy about the current state of the team is Randy Auerbach, daughter of Red. Uh, so earlier, uh, Larry had a chance to sit down with Randy and talk to her a little bit about the team. Well, we're here with uh, Randy Auerbach, daughter of Red Auerbach, and most importantly, diehard Celtics fan, despite despite being out there in L.A., uh, 
You've actually been out in L.A. for quite some time now, uh, if I'm Much correct, too right? Long. <laughs> yes, very, very long time. Well, I'll, we're definitely going to get on that in just a second, but I think most importantly, I think i got to start out with the Celtics, obviously. I remember talking to you last year, a little more than a year ago now, about how you really wanted to see Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce finish their careers in Celtics. You even, yeah. I believe, you said something along those lines even after they were traded. Uh, I, I believe I read something out there yeah, with I you. <laughs> I Do you I still did. feel that way now, even though it looks like the Celtics got a pretty hefty return in well, I'm not sure what the return is. I mean, draft picks in 2018, who knows? You know, I think you still need to build build on, on experience, and really Rondo is the core now, and Rondo lost half a year, you know, due to his injury. So I think I, it, it was not a trade I would have made, to put it that way. I think it, it, I think the upside is is still to be seen. And I don't think we'll see it for several years, if then. I think my father's always said, you don't trade just because you can. You know, and I don't feel any of our trades were, they weren't even lateral trades. I think they, they were disrupt, dis, very disruptive to, to the team. You uh, must be a little lukewarm towards the general direction of the team then, because I'm here in Boston Right. And usually the media in Boston or even the fans in Boston, they're always, as Rick Pitino said, the negativity in this town sucks. But with this, I see fans are generally excited about the future of the team and that they're really excited about what Danny's got with these draft picks. So you, are you a little more lukewarm? I'm a little more lukewarm. I, 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 think, um, I think you could have gotten another season, certainly from, from Pierce and Garnett. And I think it would have um, benefited the younger players and, uh, you know, allowed them to have some sense of, of the continuity of the team. There's no, there's no there there. There's no core. You're putting five guys on the court, but I don't know that I'd call them a team yet. It's just I, I think they're missing something. I think, you know, Brad Stevens is, is he's doing his best. Um, I, I I don't know much about him. I, I certainly haven't met him. Uh, but it's it's tough. You know, there just seems to be no core there. Every now and then you see glimpses of it, and then then you you know you, you turn turn the station, and you go back, and it's like, what happened? What happened? There's no team there. You know, there's five guys out on the court, and I think that it, it would have helped to have Pierce and Garnett guiding that. So you don't think that Rondo is really ready yet to be the leader, or is it just a case that he just doesn't have enough veterans around him as well? I don't think he has enough veterans around him. I mean, I see him, I see him out there kind of looking sometimes, like where to pass, where to move, where to go, and he looks a little dazed, you know? There are moments when it's great, you know, when there's a Jeff Green around or, or Bass or something, but in general, he, he just looks like he's on another plateau, with the rest of the team you know plus he didn't have the whole season so that's you know that that's indicative of 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 not having that camaraderie and that you know that rhythm so this season's been a little tough for you to take then there's a lot of fans here that (laughs) oh they love losing but you on the other hand this has been more of a struggle for you to to watch these guys night and night out big struggle it's heartbreaking heartbreaking for me um because i feel that you know, and I don't want to sound like like a broken record. 
I feel something must have happened that that sent Pierce and Garnett to another team, that sent Doc to the Clippers. Um, when the year before, Doc signed a five-year you know, uh, extension, Pierce was going into his 15th season, and KG announced he wanted to finish his career in Boston. And then what happened? Something happened. It's, it's, I'm not privy to it, nor nor are, are the fans. But clearly, something happened, and I I don't I don't know what that is. Well, I'm going to shift gears, maybe to something a little mm-hmm. more positive. You mentioned Brad <laughs> Stevens, how you didn't really uh-huh. know him. I know from talking to you in, in the past, you were you were such a huge fan of Doc Rivers. Still, still, I'm a fan of Doc. But, I think he's done great things with the Clippers. But uh, over the summer. Um, Brad Stevens sent a letter out to every single former Celtic. And so I remember you always emphasized how the Celtics organization is such a family. What were your feelings uh, when you heard about that, that he had opened the door to everyone in the organization and that he, anybody well, could it, speak it to It almost him? seems like a redundancy because I think that's what the Celtics are. So I think it, it, him being new to it, it's great that he did that and it, it's, uh, it's, it's very savvy and, and good PR, but Every time I'm ever in Boston, there's always somebody there, some you know ex-Celtic or or somebody who played for a season or somebody who played for ten seasons. So I feel that that is the foundation of the Celtics. That's kind of their mandate is that it's a it's an open door to, to anybody who's played there. Um, so I think he was he was very savvy in in you know in in following through on that. Do you have any other early impressions on the Celtics' new coach this year? Uh no, just on a just just on one level, I'd like him to just get really pissed off, you know. Um, he tends to to hold it in very close, and sometimes I I'd, I'd want to see him just like just lose it, you know. Um, but that that comes with time, I hope. So let me shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, more to the general NBA. You were, I, mm-hmm. I also you're a fan of Doc Rivers. You were also a huge fan of David Stern and and what yeah, he did for your family. So he's out. Uh, we he's got out. a new commissioner in now. How do you feel about the future of the NBA being in the hands of Adam Silver? Well, I think, you know, David David was in that, that position for so many years and, and, and was so personally involved with so much uh, of the changes and, and the growth of the NBA that I don't believe he would turn it over to somebody he didn't feel was was competent and capable of handling the job, um, and I think he, you know, he has removed himself and and um, turned over the reins. But he still will be there and available for, you know, for for Adam to to call on. So I hope I hope um, I hope Adam does as, as fine a job as David did because David just took the NBA to a whole another level. Have you met the new uh, new commissioner at all? I have. I have, um, and he he's, seems you know very nice. I, I I think it's a daunting, daunting uh, position for him to be in uh, to to fill those shoes. Um, but he's been with the NBA for several years. Uh, David's relied on him, so I I really feel hopeful that that uh, he he can handle it. I think he has to just maybe get a little sense of humor. <laughs> He seems actually a little more outgoing. Uh, my, he's he's more outgoing, but David had that little twinkle in his eye, you know, and he didn't take you know, my father's ranting and raving and 
other people's quite as you know he, he just had that always little little turned up smile um I, and i hope adam will have that as well because i think there's a whole whole new group of people that will will push his buttons what do you think is the most important sort of thing that he has to address that's on his table well, I think there, I think there, there's so many things with the salary cap, and and I mean, I'm looking at the, the for example, I, I was listening to the the NBA or the, the local talk show the other day, and they were talking about with the Lakers with Kobe, and then they had an interview with Steve Nash, and Steve Nash came out and said, well, yes, he's he's playing for the money, and. We all know that. I mean, in, in our hearts, we know that. But you don't want to hear that. You want to hear, you know, he wants to play as as long as he can, and he loves the game, and he loves the team, and and whatever. And he said, "No, I'm just playing now for the money." And this was kind of heartbreaking for me to hear. And I hope, you know, I hope this new group of superstars was with, you know, Westbrook and and Durant and and Chris Paul, and they seem to to just have that renewed love of the game like Magic had and Larry had. and um, I think that's important. I think it's really, um, it's been missing for a while. You know, to give Kobe eight, Kobe $48 million and he's not going to play? I mean, hmm. I, I don't understand that. You know, pl- plus it puts the Lakers in, you know, huge financial problems, which doesn't bother me. But... <laughs> Uh, I, I think um, there there has to be some some renewed enthusiasm for the game, and as, as I said, I think I'm seeing it. I think that I'm seeing a lot of uh, these young guys just really playing their hearts out. Interesting, you left LeBron James's name of the players that you just mentioned. I'm not a I'm not a fan of LeBron's. He, he's very talented, but he's not always focused. You know, he doesn't have the intensity that Kobe, even Kobe, I mean, as much as I, you know how I feel about Kobe, but he, he, you can't take away his talent. I mean, clearly, and his intensity. He gives you 100, you know, 50% every game. And I don't know that that LeBron does. Sometimes I see him on the court and he looks like he's staring into space. And then he'll snap into it and, it, and it'll be amazing. But it's inconsistent for me. You know, I think he's he's better than he was in terms of that. But still, I mean, I'd rather, it's like I look at Kevin, you know, Durant play, and suddenly I see 30 points, 30, and I didn't even see them happen. And that's what I love. You know, I just like somebody that plays quiet, and, and suddenly you look at the score and go, how did he, where did, where did that happen? Which LeBron, it's, it's more showboating. Well, that's an interesting take. Let me go backwards a little bit here, though. You've mentioned the Lakers, and I can't help but think, obviously, you being the huge Celtics fan that you are and being out in L.A., I know you pay pretty close attention to the Lakers. What's the median fan reaction been like out, out there to the season the Lakers are having? Well, I, I'll tell you, they're not Boston fans. They definitely, um, there's been a lot of negativity and, um, you know, toward bus administration, not Jerry, but the son, um, is getting a lot of heat. And certainly, um, you know, I think everybody's disappointed that Kobe, Kobe's out. But I, I feel 
it was complete hubris on the Hobie, on Kobe's part because when I saw that injury, he didn't need to have that injury. The first one that took him out last year, he I, I saw him fall, and he said, "No, I can go back in." And I saw him fall again, and no, I can go back in. Never should have put him in again. You know, he was definitely off his game, and they didn't need it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a playoff game. I don't understand why they did that. You know, and that's that to me it's a case where the player the player is ruling the team and not the coach. You know, and it's a shame because regardless of my feelings about the Lakers and Kobe, um, he's an enormous talent and, and you know, one of the, the greatest players ever and loves the game and to see that happen it's 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 really tragic. But the fan and, reaction out there I from what I understood uh-huh. was going back to his contract extension was Oh, Kobe deserved it. He granted he is a little overpaid, but they seem to be okay with the money he got, and they also seem to be okay with his the priorities that he has sort of over the team and sort of going back into the game. Or there's also a report out there, I believe, by Sean Devaney, who we had on the show last week, uh-huh. who said that he's urging management to fire the coach. The fans seem right. to be okay with that out there. Now, that's something that normally wouldn't fly, especially here on the East Coast in, say, a Boston, New York, or a Philadelphia. No, it wouldn't. And and whether I think they should fire the coach or not shouldn't be based on Kobe. Uh, you know, it should be based on a, a, a decision that he's not guiding the other 11 guys, you know, to to a win. Um, and that may be the case. I, I I would not, you know, not argue against that, but... Uh, I think, you know, Kobe has always rolled the team. He got rid of Shaq. He got rid of this one. He got rid of that one. Um, you know, he brought back certain people. It, it, you know, that, which is fine if if he's the coach or he's the general manager. And and what I would have done with that forty eight million is say, okay, we're going to you know ease you into some kind of managerial position for your last year because that's a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of money certainly for uh, a player. You know, the, yeah, and it's on going the back on cap. the absolute yeah. twilight of his, of his career, for sure. He should not obviously be the highest paid player in the game. I, I think, I think anybody can agree with that. And it looks like the Lakers are going to have to sort of hit a reset button this summer. They're going to have to get yeah. a new coach. They're going to yep. see what the draft pick is. We know who will not be coaching the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> someone who you're a huge fan of, Phil Jackson, oh, on yeah. his way to the Knicks, <laughs> but he's not coaching. He's actually going to be running a team. You think that's something he can actually do effectively? Uh, it's it's a tough call because I think you know, personal matters aside, he he clearly is a successful and 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 great coach. Um, that doesn't mean you're a great general manager, and you know, you can't come in with your your list of do's and don'ts. You know, I don't want to go to Europe. I don't want to travel here. I don't want to be here. I'm going to be in L.A. a lot because my children and my grandchildren and my doctors are in LA along with my fiance, you know, but, but I like New York and I'll be there. It doesn't work that way. I mean, if you look at the way Pat Riley handles it and Pat's at most of the games and, you know, uh, Pat travels and he looks at, you know, a lot of, a lot of travels to college games and it's, I, I'd be very interesting, interested to see how it turns out. I'm, I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it. But if he is actually able to sort of rescue the Knicks, what do you think it would do to his overall legacy? The, the problem, it was very interesting because on, again, on one of the um, radio shows here, I was listening and they were, 
they were kind of reiterating what I and my sister have said all along is, can he build a team? He's never built a team. He's gone to ready-made teams, and he's done a terrific job on that. But does that mean he can build a team? No. So what are they giving him $12 million for, for being a great coach and being a, a name and an image? But uh, has he built a team? No. And, and it, I was very surprised that the, the L.A. fans and radio station were saying the same thing I've said, and, and as I said, my sister. He's gone to, to you know, ready-made teams with big superstars. He's never, he's never built a team. And, and will, will the owner relinquish all his power? I'm not sure. I think he will want to and begin to, but you know, ego is a big, big, uh, big demon. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting because, like you said, is he going to be in New York all the time? Will he be doing scouting trips? Right. Not right. only is that not Phil himself, that's just me seeing it on the outside, but he's also getting up there a little in age, and he has yeah. health issues as well. So. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Um, I, I think it's good PR for New York, clearly, to bring somebody in that you know from the from uh, that stems from the organization. But in reality, I don't know. I, I, as I said, I wouldn't put money on it working. But, but I think they're in a position where anything uh, will help. You know, I think they're they need they need something. And if it's a good kick in the pants, so be it. So, what did you think of a few of those grenades uh, Celtics president Rich Gotham threw over the Knicks side regarding the signing of Phil Jackson? Well, you know, <laughs> I have to kind of go with it. Uh, a lot of them I didn't hear out here, you know, and, and I'm not as, as um, I, I don't want to say privy to all the information, but um, I don't get everything out here in LA except what they want me to hear. But certainly, I'd have to, I'd have to. It'd be, I'm very curious as to how it's going to work. You know, I'm sure they're going to give Phil a great apartment and everything he wants, but. Still, it's when a couple of years ago when he was going to come back to coaching in L.A. Well, I don't want to go on road trips, and I don't want to eat this food, and I don't want to be in this chair. And I, it's like, come on, then don't coach. You're not, you know, you're not that great. Nobody's that great. It it just astounds me. I mean, my my father was as general manager uh, up there as much as he was coaching, except when he was on the road scouting. You know, and all the college games and all, in Boston and D.C. and New York and L.A. and it's it's a it's a lot of work. Could it be know? working for the Celtics then? No one's above the organization. I think that would last about twenty seconds in Boston. <laughs> right. You know, if that. Certainly, I just um, I, I think Boston fans are the best. Um, certainly, the most knowledgeable. Uh, certainly, the most loyal. Um, and uh, I think they they would tolerate that for zip, you know. <laughs> All right, Randy. Well, I'm not going to let you get out of here before I ask you this. What are the plans for a coming Boston voyage to go see your Celtics? Okay. And, I hope uh, to get into Boston soon. Most so maybe not this year for the playoffs, but hopefully but, soon. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's got to turn around. It's just, it's going to, it will. It will. But um, I would have liked to see... Pierce's flag hanging along with everybody else's.
Well, that should come sooner rather than later, you think. And I wouldn't be rule out Pierce finishing his career in Boston. That's just my personal prediction. Well, I keep hearing those rumors, and I think it would be such a great thing. You know, I, I, um, it, it, you don't find that anymore. I mean, Kobe, Kobe, and and maybe Tim Duncan. Uh, that Dirk Nowitzki too. Not to correct yeah, and, you. And Dirk, How rude yeah, of but, me. Yeah, but you know, I mean, there, there are not many players that you see that anymore and, and it's such a pleasure to me and, and you really you identify and I think kids kids really get behind it and and those are the players that seem to be more remembered you know like the Michael Jordans and the, and the Magics and the Larrys and um, when they do play with one team it just seems to, to have to resonate more all right well Randy once again pleasure speaking oh, with you and having pleasure. you on the show and like My I said, we'll, we'll look back for you once again, and hopefully we'll okay. talk again soon. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, thank you. Take care. Well, it was great hearing from Red's family, particularly in regard to Phil Jackson, the man whose legacy is next in line behind Red when it comes to the coaching and executive ranks. Also interesting to hear her take on the team. What stood out to you, LHR? That would be it. Um, when I was going into the interview, obviously I was very interested to see what she had to, or hear what she had to say about Phil Jackson down in New York, and we had a great conversation about players around the league. Obviously, she's a huge fan of Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. Not the biggest LeBron James fan, as we found out, but I thought she'd be a little more positive about the future aspects of the team. She's She is a huge Celtics fan, believe me. she's I've had many conversations with her over these last few years now, and she watches them a lot. And But I was, I was surprised when she co- called the season quote-unquote heartbreaking. The season for Celtics fans has certainly been tough to take. There's no question, but I think a lot of us have understood that it was a bullet that everyone was going to have to bite. You hope you don't have to bite it for many years, as Celtics fans had to do throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. But it was understood that this season was going to be a little rough. But I think a lot of us, fans, media members, or even just general outside observers, have a positive outlook towards the future of this team and what Danny Ainge is capable of and what we think Danny Ainge is going to do. Yeah, it's interesting kind of in her position. uh, You know, she's clearly a fan of the team, but she's not your average run-of-the-mill fan in that, you know, it's easy for fans who don't have, you know, the same type of deep, emotional connection to the team that that somebody like she obviously does you know to 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 have hope even if it's you know hope for things like the draft or hope for the future superstar that Danny Ainge is sure to 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 bring in I think that hope might be a little bit harder to come by for somebody like her until she actually sees what it materializes and certainly you know the Celtics franchise you know through the course of of Red's tenure had had many many ups but there were some down periods and I'm sure those down periods left a mark on her oh the late 70s is what the older fans remember and then of course there was the absolute doldrums right after Bird retired up until Really, Garnett arrived in that summer, excluding that one little semi-fluke year where the team ran to the Eastern Conference Final, albeit in a very weak Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's right. So now we're going to go over to Jay King of Mass Live and talk a little bit. Uh, Jay, we just wrapped up that interview with Randy Auerbach, and of course she mentioned uh, during the interview that she was a little upset with the KG and Pierce trade and felt that it was more of a lateral move and is still kind of lukewarm about the future of the, the team. Uh, you know, how do, you, do you share that sentiment? 
well, first of all, I'd like to say that there would obviously would have been some positive things to keeping Pierce and Garnett around. They were great leaders. They, you know, Pierce spent the first 15 years of his career in Boston. There's a thought out there that maybe he should have been able to retire a Celtic if he wanted to, like Dirk Nowitzki is going to be able to in Dallas. But at the same time, I mean, they got three first-round draft picks for two guys who are almost out of the league. You know, Kevin Garnett hasn't played in, I don't know how many weeks with back spasms. He'll miss. He missed the game last night against the Celtics. You know, these are two guys that really, they're close to being out of the league. I'd be surprised if Garnett played another season. And you got three first-round picks, a right to swap another first-round pick, and two of those picks are unprotected in 2016 and 2018, which could look really good by then because the Nets are built for right now, not for later. Uh, so I couldn't disagree more about the trade, although I, I do understand the sentiment about Pearson Garnett, and I understand why people would want them around. I, I do think that, you know, there are benefits, would have been benefits to the younger guys like Selinger, um, Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, having Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce around. Um, but the Celtics are in a good spot moving forward, I think. And Danny has given himself a lot of flexibility. He's got a lot of assets. And he, he should be in the running if any star becomes available on the trade market. Yeah, and of course, uh, the team is struggling through this season and you know one of the issues has been you know how will coach brad stevens keep the team kind of on the same page and aligned going forward how do you feel the team's been handling the losing as these losses kind of start to accumulate as we get closer and closer to the season folks seem to be saying the right things but really what's the tone on a day-to-day basis i think this team is a tight-knit team i really do i think i think as far as getting the team to compete as far as getting the team to keep a positive attitude I think he's done a great job. I think, you know, he, he was thrown right into the fire right away with a team that doesn't have talent, a team that lost a lot lately. He had vet, veterans like Keith Bogans and Courtney Lee complaining about playing time. He had Gerald Wallace ranting about the team before, before the regular season even started. I, I mean, he, he's dealt with a lot this season in his first year, and I think he's done a great job. He is he's exactly as advertised. He's just completely even keel, and he portrays that to his team. And they, they they see how much effort he puts into it. They see how positive he is. And I think they really do like him. I think they really like playing with each other, even though they haven't won a lot. This this team seems really close. You know, the other day before before a game, Gerald Walsh was in the locker room, and he was wearing a suit and tie, and he never wears a suit and tie. He always comes in in, like, sweats and stuff. And so, so Jeff Green started screaming, and then, Gerald Wallace went over and held court with about six of the players, and they were just sitting chatting, having a great time, laughing it up. This team, it seems really close, and I, I think Stevens has a lot to do with that. He's all about building a culture, a team culture, and this team hasn't won a lot, but they have that culture, um, that competitive culture, that, that team-oriented culture, and I think it has a lot to do with him. Hey, Jay, LHR here. What do you think uh, Rondo has to do then with building that culture? Because I'm not. Did you just mention his name and in what you were just saying there? Rondo, Rondo, the same thing. You know, he didn't have to buy into this rebuilding process. Rondo, he could have made a stink about being the only star left. He could have made a stink about the Indians trading away his two stars. But he's smart. He could have made a stink about Doc Rivers going. He could have made a stink about a lot of things that happened in the last year. But he's smart. He, he knows they're better off. You know, waiting. And getting using those graphics, using those assets, he knows they're better off losing this year. He knows they're better off being patient, and he likes Stevens. He likes the fact that Stevens has supported him from day one. He likes the fact that with Uzbek 
publicly supported him after the birthday gate, or whatever you want to call it. He likes the fact that Danny Ainge did the same thing. And they, they've all said throughout this whole process, you know, Rondo's our guy. We want to build around Rondo. And there are the trade rumors, and yeah, they, because he's going to test free agency, they really have to test the trade market. But, but he does like that they supported him. And he, he's really been on board with this rebuilding process. He's been a great leader, you know, with the exception of the, his birthday, the, the game he missed. He was at almost every game on the sidelines and giving directions. He didn't have to do that. Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, those guys never went to games when they were hurt. You know, if, if they weren't in the lineup, chances are they weren't in the building. You know, Rondo was there every game, even though he missed the first half of the season. He was there in the pressing year. And I really do think that he's, he's done a better job of being a leader than, than people understand. I think he's starting to grow up. I think he's starting to grow up, or started a long time ago. And, you know, we're really seeing those benefits now. You know, I think Kevin Garnett loves the guy. Kevin Garnett calls him a brother. You know, if, if Kevin Garnett loves you and calls you a brother, chances are you're not like this huge locker room nuisance. Like, you're, you're a pretty good guy to play with. I think he's misunderstood, and I, I think... I think, yeah, he can be tough to deal with, but the, the positives outweigh the negatives big time. So we had Sean Devaney on the show from Sporting News uh, last week, and and he sort of said what you've been confirming is that he's a fan of the organization, and not only does he want to be not really a part of the rebuild, but he wants his own team, and he wants the challenge of being the man. So you seem to be in that yeah, camp as I don't know well. if he we wants keep... his own team. Go ahead. I don't know if he wants his own team or to be the man. I actually asked him about that earlier this season. Uh, it was after, I forget what she maybe the Magic game. He had like, every play down the stretch was him. It was either he was making an assist, he was getting a bucket, and they ended up winning. And it was on his shoulders. And I said, is that something you wanted? And he said, you know, it's, it's the situation that is right now. And I, I think he wants to play with stars. He's a great point guard, a pass-first point guard. I think he wants stars. I think, you know, if he could play with LeBron and and Kevin Durant, he would love to do that. I don't think he wants his team, but I do think he wants to take on the leadership. I do think he's ready to take on more of a leadership role than he had with Kevin Durant and Paul Pierce. But is there a sense, though, within the organization to keep Rondo happy? I mean, we saw the whole thing with Birthday Gate, and maybe that could also transpire into the offseason as well, where they might be a little more aggressive to acquire a a second or even a third star player this offseason, which which would sort of accelerate the rebuilding process of what many felt that would take place more in the summer of 2015 rather than the summer of this year. Maybe keep Rondo happy now so they don't have to worry about any free agency or trade stuff coming into next year. Do you think there's a sense within the organization to do that this summer? I, I think, well, Danny Ainge and, and Rick Grusbeck have both said, you know, we, we would like to make big moves this summer. And if they can, they will. I think I think it is important to make them as soon as possible because, as I said before, Rondo plans to test free agency in 2015. He he has he can make millions of more dollars by hitting free agency than he can if he signs a contract extension. So even if he doesn't want to go anywhere else, he's going to become a free agent just because it makes sense to do that. Uh, now, does he want to leave Boston? I don't think so. Will he maybe leave Boston if there's still nobody around a year from now? Yeah, you know, I'd have to think that's an option. But if if you can get him from the start of the summer, then it changes things. And you don't have to worry as much that he's testing free agency because then he's probably just going to re-sign with you anyway. So I, I think it is important to make moves 
soon. But that being said, you got to be patient to get the right guy. You can't go out and, and use your assets to, to acquire, you know, someone who's not going to help you become a contender. You can't waste all these great first-round draft picks you have and get someone who's just okay. Danny Ainge is going to be out there looking for a star and nothing short of that. And he, he's not going to risk setting the franchise back just to please Rondo. Um, so yeah, that, that's, but yeah, you, you gotta go out and you gotta be aggressive if you can be. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, that's Danny Ainge's history is that he's, he's not going to make that short-sighted move that, you know, if he's going to make a splash, it's going to be to, to bring in an impact guy. Yet on the other hand, both he and Wick have been awful confident in their statements recently about their willingness and ability to do something this summer. Where do you think that's coming from? Is that, you know, just really kind of projecting a sense of confidence to, you know, kind of maybe take some of the pressure off of Rondo's impending free agency or, you know, do they have somebody really kind of with their sights trained on that they're going to make an aggressive move specifically for? Well, the name that keeps coming up is Kevin Love, and I don't know whether that's at all realistic. I I have talked to executives around the league who think that the Timberwolves should put Love on the market and should have put him on the market this past trade deadline just because he's unhappy not making the playoffs. He can opt out of his contract after next season. Chances are he's not going to stay around if they can't get a lot better like Portland did this year. Uh, you know, when LaMarcus Aldridge is unhappy, they took a huge step forward, and now all of a sudden Aldridge is happy. That could happen in Minnesota with Love, which is why I think they kept him around past uh, this trade deadline. But he's a guy who could be out there. If you can get Kevin Love, that changes everything, obviously. And I don't know if they have specific names in mind, I don't know whether they, but they think this is their thought process is any star that becomes available, they're going to be at near the top of the list with a competitive package that maybe no other team can match because they have, you know, Jared Sollinger to have a whole bunch of first round picks. They could sign and trade Avery Bradley. Kelly Olynyk has really developed over the second half of this season. He's an asset now. You know, they, they have some pieces, and they, they can pretty, I, I think Bill Simmons said, you know, they can trump any offer from anyone else. And I'm not sure if that's the case, but they can definitely compete with anybody else's offer. So I think that's where their confidence is coming from. Um, and, you know, they, they've done it before. <laughs> they got Ray Allen, they got Kevin Garnett, and they were probably, they're probably in a better place now than they were then. Yeah, uh, that's... As far, as far as assets goes. But then again, you know, it's not every summer that Kevin Garnett becomes available. You, you got to get lucky in that part. But, you know, if that star does become available, Ainge has the assets. Yeah, exactly. I've been kind of making that argument for a while with, you know, the, the folks who want to just kind of rebuild straight up through the draft. You've just got too many assets right now to, to not be ready to strike a, a, an opportunity there. You know, you mentioned uh, the Portland situation in, in comparison to Minnesota. You know, Portland's actually kind of dropped a little bit off of a cliff this second part of the season. Uh, does that potentially put LaMarcus Aldridge in play as, as somebody who, you know, it looked like Portland had turned that situation around, but now they're they could very easily kind of get knocked out in the first round. If that happens, do you think he, he's a guy that potentially um, is in that same boat as Kevin Love? I don't know because, yeah, they struggled the second half of the season. You know, yeah, they're not as good as they looked at the beginning of the year. At the same time, they're young. You know, they, they've got Damian Lillard, Wes Matthews, Nick Batum, a bunch of 
bunch of guys who are still getting better. Um, so I, I think they're they're in a really good place as an organization. I'd, I'd be surprised if he wants out of there to go compete somewhere else just because, you know, they took a huge step forward this year. They're still young, and with an, another year to work on their defense, you know, another year to, to improve for pretty much all those young guys, you know, I, I think they should be competitive in the West for a long time. Uh, so I, I would be surprised if he's disgruntled. Um, but, you know, he's another guy who, it's potentially, you know, that, that 2015 free agent class is, has a lot of names and teams could potentially, you know, look to trade their guys before, before risking losing them to free agency because of the CBA. Now, if, if you know, the guys aren't going to be signing contract extensions anymore, like you, you have a lot of reasons not to sign contract extensions now. Mm-hmm. So those guys, you got, if you're going to, if you want to keep them, you're going to risk losing them. And that could be huge for a team like the Celtics with assets and, you know, the hope to, to get one of these stars, the hope that one of these stars hits the market and you can feel, give the best package for them. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that 2015 free agent class. We know the Celtics are going to be very interested. They seem to be lining up their cap sheep. Another team that mentioned that was Phil Jackson down there in New York. He mentioned in his press conference 2015, he said it outright, and obviously you just heard Randy Auerbach on this show. She doesn't think that Phil in New York really is going to work out. So you spent the last few days down there in New York. What's the general consensus down there of this whole Phil Jackson saga? I, w- I was skeptical of the Phil Jackson hiring just because, A, how much work is he going to put in? B, you know, he doesn't have any experience. C, the Knicks have just been dysfunctional for so long. Why is hiring someone who has never been a front office executive before going to work? And then, you know, I watched the press conference and James Dolan was like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm no basketball expert. I'm giving all the control to Phil Jackson. And that was when I thought, you know, this might work. And you hear Carmelo Anthony talk about it. He wants to learn from Phil Jackson. You hear, you know, wide sweeping changes are coming to that organization, which they've needed for a long time. I, I'm, I'm more positive that it could work now that I've kind of seen what his role will be and how the organization is treating him and that James Dolan does want to cede all the power. Um, just because as soon as James Dolan gets out of the way, that organization automatically becomes a lot more functional. And no matter what Phil Jackson does, just by taking the power out of James Dolan's hands, that's huge. Um, does he change anything? I don't know. You know, you would think Michael Jordan would learn free agents, but the biggest free agent he's gotten is Al Jefferson, who's been a beast this way this year, by the way. But still, you know, it's not like Jordan has changed things in Charlotte. Phil has always built a very nice environment wherever he's been, though. That, that's his thing, is building an environment, building a culture where it promotes winning. And Eric Spolster had some, some really interesting comments I thought the other day about what he learned from Pat Riley. And he, he worked for Pat Riley in the, the video room in Miami a long time ago. He's, he's worked with him for 19 years. And he said, more than anything, actually, you know, that guy taught me the culture that you need. And, and so Phil could have a similar input in New York. He could change things drastically. I don't know if he can do that. I don't know if he's willing to put in the time to do it. But he, he is a brilliant guy when it comes to building a culture. And so there's a chance that it works. 
I'm not sold yet, but I am more optimistic now after after hearing some of the things that have gone on. Great. Well, thanks for your time today, Jay. Really enjoyed it. Great stuff, as, as always. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Great. That was Jay King of Mass Live. You can find his work, of course, over at MassLive.com. And you can follow Jay on Twitter at ByJayKing. Well, it was an interesting segment, Larry. Yeah, a lot of uh, insightful stuff. I particularly found the uh, Jay's kind of take on you know Rajon Rondo's relationship with the Celtics organization interesting because it seemed to confirm or back up some of the same things we heard from Sean Devaney the other day. That's that's exactly what I thought. As I mentioned when my question to Jay, I just immediately thought of Sean Devaney. It's interesting how there just seems to be all these different reports going going around from different various aspects of the media. And I mean, people that I have great respect for, such as Mark Spears, who's now over at Yahoo, who, as we all remember, he covered the Celtics for the Globe during the championship season. He thinks that Rajon Ronda will be out of here you know, between now and whenever his contract expires. And now you hear guys like Sean Devaney, who's around the team a lot, and Jay King obviously covers the team virtually every single day, and God bless him for that, doing that, especially this year. That they're saying that Rondo is, a, I don't know about a fan of the organization, but he's he seems to be very pleased with the general direction of the team here. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, obviously relationships are complicated things, and they're they're ever evolving things. So I don't think it's ever a you know a static. He's staying. You know, he's going. You know, I think it's a fluid situation, and it'll continue to be. I thought you know Jay's points about the new collective bargaining agreement and how it discourages guys signing uh, extensions is it a very important factor here. You know, that means you know there's still 15 months for things to happen um, between now and when Rondo becomes eligible for free agency. That'll affect what he does. I think you also have to consider how the team is setting themselves up with the cap space and how they're shooting for that 2015 offseason as being you know, potentially an opportunity to add another significant piece. And, and given that, it actually makes sense from the team's perspective to kind of hold off on re-upping Rondo because that allows them... He's, he's on a very team-friendly contract right now, and I believe that'll have the effect of keeping his cap hold relatively reasonable uh, when that 2015 offseason rolls around and so I you know I think given that the situation is that it makes sense for all parties to to wait for this thing to play out till you know the summer of 2015 that just creates a lot of opportunity for things to change between now and then but you know my tendency is to to you know just look at the body of work when we talk about you know the sources of some of these reports and and folks like Jay and folks like Sean Devaney tend to seem to be more interested in you know, kind of getting a, you know, keeping a nice rational perspective on things and, and being a little bit more measured with, you know, how far they try to push a story um, or kind of what limbs they want to go out on in the, in the name of being first and, and having a scoop. And, you know, I tend to put a lot more stock in guys like, like that that are just, you know, fundamentally not interested in, in sensationalizing things to, 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 to drive clicks or drive uh, listeners. And so, you know, it, it just seems like the, that that seems like the more, likely scenario is that what they're saying is is closer to the truth but you never know well me and you could have a discussion about the media but that's just something for a whole another show like <laughs> and you said, we have though, yeah <laughs> right but like you said though 15 months is a ton of time 15 months before the 2008 election hillary clinton was president of the united states so <laughs> it's a lot can happen in 15 months but from the celtics perspective and from rondo it can only get better right it, there's nothing that can be worse than this the 40s 
something law. I, I've completely lost count of all the losses that they have. It's likely only going to get better, especially once they add the draft picks, not just pick picks this year. And then Ainge is a little more. He rounds out the roster a little better because right now this roster is a little uneven, especially with all the power forwards that they have. So, so I think when Ainge addresses the team this summer, I think that's going to put a better team on the floor next year, whether it has a superstar or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you know undoubtable that the aspect of the relationship that's tied to you know how well Rondo is bought into the future and 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 what he thinks of the future in relation to his career that part can can only get better. I I was just referring to you know who knows what else could happen, right? And and you know some situation could come up like birthday gate again, and and you know Wick doesn't react the same or Danny doesn't react the same, and that that might drive a wedge. But I you know I think the likelihood is low. I mean, listen, Rondo's been here uh, several years now right he's he's he understands Ainge Ainge understands him he understands Wick Wick understands him he's become a part of the fabric of this franchise and I think uh it would take something really significant to drive a wedge between that now certainly if if Danny Ainge decided which I don't think he'll do to really take another step back and really kind of build through the draft well that might be the type of thing that that creates a wedge right uh but you know I think yeah, every indication is that the plan here is to stockpile assets to, as Jay put it, put themselves in the strongest position possible should one of those impact players or multiple impact players become available on the market and then strike. So, you know, I, I, if, if I was a betting man, I'd say, you know, I'd probably say the chances of Rondo coming back uh, are at least 75 percent, if not higher. I would agree with that because I think people, especially when they're talking about all these rebuilding teams, and I mentioned this in my column, how, oh, how come the Celtics can't be like the Philadelphia 76ers and then lose all these games? Well, one, because they have a better roster, and two, they already have that one star in place, right? Wouldn't everybody sign up for a Rajon Rondo coming out of the 2014 draft right now if you knew you could get a player of his caliber? And I'm not even the biggest Rondo fan. I've written countless articles Mm on CLNS questioning whether he can be a one or a two guy on a championship team. But the fact of the matter is he's regarded around the league and amongst players as a star player. So you already have that piece in place. That's one big piece. And then you go out and then you get the other piece, whether it's through this draft, which is a bit of a a question because it's the draft. And for every Tim Duncan you can select, which is very rare, you're far more likely to select Michael Owakandi or LaRue Martin. (laughs) So you have the draft. And then, of course, more importantly, you have trades and you have all these draft picks, which is far more valuable than a few percentage of these ping pong balls. Yeah, you said something interesting a second ago that uh, related to one of the comments that Jay made. You know, the question of whether Rondo is a number one or number two guy. You know, I wonder if, you know, folks have obviously been asking that question. I wonder if it's the wrong question. You know, listening to Jay's comments about whether Rondo wants, you know, a team to be his team. And, and you look at his style of play. I think it, it matters a lot to him that he's considered one of the best in the league at his position. I think it it matters less to him that he's the focal point of a team, and I I think that really directly translates into his game. And I think you know Jay's comments seem to uh, point in that direction as well. That 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 maybe the best thing for Rondo is for Kevin Love to come in, or if, you know another you know high impact player that can be quote the man and you know still helps Rondo get his goal, which which is to win. You know I kind of liken his attitude a lot of ways to to somebody like Chauncey. Bill- 
Phillips, who seemed most happy when, you know, he was a little bit more of the behind the scenes guy, but the folks that were, you know, part of the team knew how important he was, right? That, that, you know, by virtue of his position and by virtue of how he approached his position, uh, he had, you know, an inordinate impact on the team. And I think, you know, Rondo, I think maybe sees himself a little bit as, as that type of guy. Like I might not be the, you know, the, the NBA sanctioned superstar on my team, but, you know, folks in the know around the league, when it comes to wins and losses, know what's up. And I, and, and I think I can see that being part of Rondo's you know, mental makeup. I got to agree with you 100% on that. I, there's, there's nothing I could add to that, which is rare, Rich. I think that's the first time anyone's <laughs> ever done that to me. I've, I've stumped Larry. <laughs> All right, LHR, you know what time it is. It's time to go around the NBA in five. I'll kick it off here. Jabari Parker called his college career at Duke incomplete after their upset loss to Mercer in the NCAA tournament on Friday. Does that have an impact on the Celtics? Well, obviously it will if the Celtics don't have the number one pick. I know the tankers are probably upset, as I think everybody should be upset, but it should be interesting, too, to see if Parker will come out. I think he will. There's a lot of money at stake, and I think he's a little more interested in his personal career rather than his college career. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. You know, I know that some of the uh, draft draft Knicks have uh, Danny Ainge high on Jabari Parker. I guess that remains to be seen. One factor I'll throw out there, he's very good friends with incoming freshman Jahili Okafor at Duke, so that may have an impact. I'll be interested to watch it. Here's no surprise at all, though. Andrew Bynum Rich is out indefinitely. Yeah, I don't even know how this even qualifies as news. What's he out with now, a hangnail? I mean, clearly the guy does not have much interest in playing NBA basketball. So this doesn't shock me at all. No, it doesn't. And quite frankly, I think it might be addition by subtraction for the Pacers. A lot of the players are pretty not interested and very lukewarm when they brought him on board. So I think they are going to be going on without him. No issue at all. The NBA is wary of Phil Jackson and Jeannie Buss's relationship and have recently investigated it. What do you think? Wow, well, geez, don't all I think about is World War One, huh? With all the relationships the British royal family had with Kaiser Wilhelm in Germany and the Tsar Nicholas II in Russia. This is the same thing, right? I doubt it, not really. Uh, I don't think Phil is going to be sending great players over to the Lakers to help her his fiance and i don't think genie bus is going to be banging down the door to be shipping players over to the knicks i think it they'll be fair with themselves right you'd have to think so i you'd have to think so but uh if phil jackson didn't have such a uh, identification with the knicks franchise you'd almost have to wonder if this is part of some ploy to fleece james dolan for 60 million dollars and package carmelo anthony to the lakers but uh yeah you know i i think they're both adults and and professionals and i don't think there's anything underhanded here but it it, it just looks on well we're staying on the topic of the lakers here steve nash he's back Oh, Randy Auerbach touched upon in the interview that I had how he said he's recently playing for the money, but after being initially ruled out for the season a little earlier, he actually played last night. 
Yeah, a little bit surprised. You know, they ruled him out for the season. He had already played the 10 games that kind of disqualified the Lakers from getting an injured player exception for him. Uh, but he's back, and, you know, I'm not uh, too disappointed by that. Nash, even though he's at the tail end of his career, has always been one of my favorite non-Celtic NBA players. I just think the guy's been incredibly underrated in his career for just the, the tremendous skill level he brings to the court and being able to compete at kind of the size that he's at uh, in, at the NBA level. Billy Donovan, Florida coach, intrigued by coaching in the NBA. Could he make a return? Well, yeah, I think you're going to be seeing a little more teams looking towards the college ranks. And when you say, quote unquote, make a return, what? He was a coach in the NBA for, what, five minutes when he spurned Orlando? He, I, it would be interesting. He runs, you know, a fairly complicated system down in Florida. He's had great success there. It seems like he's been the coach now forever. Uh, he's been there at least since the '90s. I would be, I'd be very interested to see how Billy Donovan did. Obviously, I wouldn't say Brad Stevens and his success, but he did. A, he's done a good job this year for the Celtics, and it'll be interesting to see if teams realize that and. Maybe go back to hiring college coaches as they were doing back in the 80s and even the 90s until guys like Patino and Kruger and Calipari really soured it for executives in the NBA. Yeah, Billy D sounds, seems like the ultimate college guy to me. I was at BC, and BC had some good teams uh, back when Billy Donovan was playing for Providence. And, uh, you know, he just seems like the ultimate college guy to me. I guess if he does return to the NBA, can we expect a Bobby Petrino return to the NFL? Lord hopes not. Well, how about this? Zach Lowe wrote another column this week, and he talked about the draft wheel pitched by Celtics GM Mike Zarin, and he said, quote, it isn't going away, unquote, and Zarin's made many tweaks to it. Thoughts? I, I wish it would go away. I think it's ridiculously complicated. I think anything that's you know designed to even things out over a 30-year period, I know there's been some modifications to it. I just don't think we'll, we'll stand the test of time and you're going to create a situation where you know some teams are going to get really uh, you know unfairly treated by it. Uh, there's other ways to deal with tanking. This isn't, this isn't the way. Well, that does it for Around the NBA in 5. Before the show draws to a close, I want to let everyone know there's an interesting contest right now on CLNS Radio for a signed 8.5 by 11 photo of Patriots' Julian Edelman that comes with a letter of authenticity. To enter, just text CLNS FANS to 22828. That's CLNS FANS to 22828 to be eligible. Yeah, the guys over there at Patriots Beat have been putting this out. I believe there are three of them, if I'm not mistaken. When you text 22828, you're going to be entered to sign up for a e-blast from CLNS Radio. Now, it's not spam. It comes very infrequently, but it keeps you up to date with this website and even with the podcast such as this one and even Patriots Beat, which airs every Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. They've done a great job with it. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Carlos Andres Mesa, Astravex, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. I'd like to thank our guests, Randy Auerbach and Jay King. For our executive producer, Larry H. Russell, I'm Rich Conti. See you next Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for another edition of Celtics Beat. Exclusively on CLNS Radio.